Laura? Did you bring the... Oh, let me get one. So we got all kinds of things going on tonight. Hello, everybody. And hello for several first time you're here tonight, or maybe it's been a while. And we have Joshua in the room. Bye, Josh. Bye-bye. All kinds of things going on. So, And we finally got the new sound equipment. So tonight, we're it's the first run with it. And so we're going to be playing with that a little bit to see how it all works. And I, I feel like I'm at a workshop when we do an introduction because of everything going on right now, which is why I'm standing. But in a moment, I'll, I'll relax. I feel almost all kind of nervous you know, beforehand. So right now I'm just doing my nervous talking as we move forward into the night. See, I'm one of those people, when I talk more, I can kind of relax. So I use it to my advantage. So what we're going to do tonight is what we normally do, but I'll just give you a brief rundown for those of you that are new, is that during the two hours that we're here together is that we're going to do what we call a calling in the light, which is simply a prayer, an invocation to invite spirit in. And then after, I'll be doing that part, and then after that, I will also be doing a guided meditation. And once I'm complete, that'll probably take around a half an hour. When I'm complete, usually then Jim will go ahead and share whatever's present as far as spirit. And I'm still holding this because I want to take a drink of water. So, but before I do start, I want to write something up here on the drawing board for you. We're going to do Stead of Anahu. No, I'm kidding. What else would it be? We may. So these letters that I wrote up on, and for those of you who may not be familiar with that, is that this is what we call one of the names of God. And as we chant this as a mantra, that as we do that, it helps bring our own frequency into the alignment with that frequency of God, or we like to call it loving. But in here, we quite often will use many different types of terminology so that as we approach it in different ways, always understand we're always talking about the same thing in here, God and loving. But we'll use a lot of different terminology at times just so that maybe we can touch in to your consciousness, so to speak, in the terminology that you might understand. But in case we don't do that, because there's always so many different individuals here with so many different diverse backgrounds, that I just want you to know up front, that is totally our focus here, is God, Spirit, loving. And so in that, our intention in everything we do is always in that, towards that, from that, with that. So just to let you know up front, that's pretty much what we do here. And in the course of the evening, Part of, part of this process is experiential, and that's why we start by calling in the light and doing a guided meditation so that you have a chance and an opportunity while you're here to actually go inside and to begin to touch into and experience the spirit within yourself. And then also we do take time in sharing so that as we do, maybe in what we share with you information-wise, you might begin to get insight or understanding or greater clarity to questions you may have or maybe just a whole new approach to God that maybe you've never even heard before. All those different types of things can happen in here and usually do. So one of the things I recommend and encourage you to do is just to be open and be receptive and just to listen to what is present here. And as you're listening, to go inside, pay attention, to see what rings true for you or maybe what doesn't ring true for you. But in all that, to really honor your own space, your own inner space, and find that alignment within yourself. Because that's what this is really about, is about you, your own soul. So this is really an adventure, a process of discovery, of you coming into the greater knowing of your own soul, your true divine nature. So no matter what is said here or what we do, I ask that don't let anything get in your, your way or distract you, but you go inside to get in touch with the spirit within you. And if you have that intention and if that is your goal and that is what you're striving towards, you'll find it. Sooner or later, you'll find it. Whether it's here or somewhere else, you will. 
So tonight we're just going to give you an opportunity to experience that spirit within yourself. And if you like what you experience, please participate more. But it's really up to you. We give a real freedom here. We don't have have-tos, obligations, or rules here. We're just here to be in the loving and to share the loving. And if that works for you, participate. If you don't like it, then that's great too because at least now you know that this isn't something that really resonates for you and to continue your search. But when I say continue your search, I also mean to continue inwardly searching because that's what we're doing here and I just invite you to participate in whatever way works. So I'm going to go ahead and close my eyes and call in the light and do a guided meditation. And I ask you just to get comfortable. If you wish to leave your eyes open, you can. Or if you wish, you can close your eyes because it assists to really bringing your focus inwardly to the spirit within. And after I call in the light at some time, more than likely, we will chant the Anahu and I will have you do that out loud. If you're not comfortable chanting out loud, feel free just to listen. There's no need to chant if you don't wish to. But if you'd like to have that experience, please do the chanting, or you can do both and see what type of experience you have with that. So, so just now as I call in the light, I would ask that you just bring your focus and your attention up to the top of your head in the very center above the eyebrows. This is the area in which we call the spiritual eye or the seat of the soul. The place by which the soul enters and leaves this physical body. So as we focus here, we give ourselves opportunity to experience that divine nature of that movement of the loving in us and through us and into the realms of spirit. And as I continue to talk, just continue to bring your focus and your awareness to this spiritual center, this place where the soul resides, and just to continue focusing into that divine nature of which you are. So, Lord God, as we do focus into our own souls, we do ask that your divine presence, through your Holy Spirit, your loving light and sound, come forward at this time, lifting us and loving us, so that we may come in to that true knowing, the divine of that which we are. And in this awakening process, we do ask that your grace and your ease fill us and surround us to assist us in releasing and letting go of all those things that may hinder us from being aware of you. And Lord, we do our part and always calling your name and always focusing our loving on your loving so that the two may become one and that we may experience the divine oneness with you and in your spirit with all. And for all your blessings and all your guidance and all your protection and your divine grace, we do open our hearts to partake in gratitude. And so we're going to go ahead and chant the Anahu. Just take a deep breath in, and on the out breath, we'll go ahead and begin. So continue chanting inwardly 
as you continue to focus into the spiritualized center. And as you focus here, allow your spiritual vision to become awake and aware, to begin to see and to know, to feel and to hear that divine radiance of the light and the sound of spirit. So allow your spiritual senses to come alive and to move your awareness into the realms of spirit as you continue to hold your focus and also chanting the Anahu silently within yourself. Continue the chanting inwardly of the Anahu, or if you've been initiated, chanting your initiatory tone. And continue to focus inwardly, but also now upwards, upwards into the realms of spirit. So now begin to go beyond the physical body and begin to focus your awareness and your attention to the divine radiant light that comes in from right above your head. So simply within yourself, look up, look up in your spirit and begin now to become aware through your sight, your hearing, your knowing, your feeling of the divine radiant light and sound. And as you now focus into this light and sound, continuing chanting the Anahu or your initiatory tone. Allow this loving radiance to begin to lift you, to lift you from the physical, the mental, and the emotional, and into your divine soul, so that you may wake up and truly realize who you are as a spiritual being, as that loving, living essence of the Lord. So just now allow yourself to move inwards and upwards on this divine radiant beingness and allowing it to lift and to carry you back
to its very source. Simply relax, let go, and continue this process of loving God and allowing God to love you.
And so now, just allow yourself to relax, chanting, and allow this just to come to a quiet and a peace within you. And as you do, now just open and be receptive and allow God's loving to fill you, to love you, to free you, and to lift you. Now just receive. Open, be vulnerable, and just receive God's loving for you. All you have to do is let it in. So now do that. Let it in. Just let God's loving fill you through your vision, through your hearing, through your feeling, through your knowing, and through your being. So now, in a place of beingness, in this awareness of receiving God's loving, now once again, focus your loving towards God and simply share your loving with God. And as you do this, allow yourself to become more and more aware of the divine living radiance as it breathes in you and breathes out from you. Just as the physical breath, let the spiritual breath of life move in you and move through you, inwards and outwards, filling your beingness. Allow your consciousness to become more and more aware of the breathing in and the breathing out of this divine, radiant loving. Begin now to become aware of the oneness, the oneness in this breath of life. That truly the breathing in and the breathing out are one. That you and God are simply breathing in your being. That you and God are one in your beingness. There is no in and there is no out. It is simply being in the movement of loving.
And in the state of beingness, simply be aware. And in this awareness, you become aware of that divine light and sound, that loving as it moves and just continues to move through your entire beingness and the beingness of all. Just allow yourself to be aware of this movement of this loving. And simply allow this loving to move you, to move your consciousness, to move this aspect of God that is aware called you, the I am. So just now allow the I am that is you to freely move wherever the loving wishes to move you. And as this loving moves you, simply just become aware and awake to become conscious and knowing of what is taking place. And in this movement of loving, just allow this light of loving to move you now back towards that physical level. Just gently and gradually let this light of loving carry you from this pure state of beingness back towards the physical body. And as it moves you and carries you, simply allow the state of beingness to stay present and awake within you as you begin your journey back into the physical body. And be aware as you now are moving towards the physical body, as you come through the different levels of the mind and the emotions, the imagination and the unconscious and subconscious. Just let your awareness be aware of these levels within you and as you move through them. And allow this divine light of your beingness to shine forth through every realm, through every level, in every area, in every way. Bringing that purity, that freedom, that loving to all levels of consciousness in you and around you. And know that in this beingness, all that you need and all that you know is always present here and now whenever you need it. All we have to do is open and become aware to the divine movement of this loving radiance. And so in this movement of loving now, become aware that spiritual essence of who you are, settling into the top of your head, back to that seat of the soul at the spiritual eye center, allowing your spiritual awareness and your spiritual senses to be awake and alive in their knowing and the being. And just gently as you're ready, can begin to open your eyes, staying conscious and present of the spirit within as you.
got a few announcements. Let me read something first from one of our books. Can you hear me? Yes, I am. <laughs> that help if we had that turned on, huh? You got it? Oh, no, it was on. Yeah, I, I turned them on. It's just not plugged in. I know. <laughs> <laughs> somehow it's not plugged in or something. So I'll go ahead and take Brian's microphone right now so we figure it out. Oh, well, I guess I don't do a talk tonight. Good night. <laughs> nice try. The little alien isn't working. <laughs> Is that what this plug would be? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah. We did all this just to get you back in the room and present and aware again on this level. Because I know sometimes those meditations we can kind of be a little bit out there. All right, I'm going to read from, ooh, boy, now it's loud. <laughs> I can hear myself. I'm going to read from The Awakened Soul by Gibran. Thoughts have a higher dwelling place than the visible world and its skies are not clouded by sensuality. Imagination finds a road to the realms of the gods, and there man can glimpse that which is to be after the soul's liberation from the world of substance. Uh, one thing to share tonight is we have on the back table uh, some information about our Coins for Kids project coming up uh, at the end of the year. It talks a little bit about our shopping day, which will be November 21st. And on December 5th, we'll have our wrapping day here at the room, which is a Sunday as well. And then on the following Sunday, December 12th, we'll be having the ILM Christmas at, uh, at our home. And that'll be a potluck party. And we'll announce times a little bit more as we get closer to those dates as to the time for shopping, the time for wrapping, and all that. So if you're interested, pick one of those up just to have those on your calendar to remind you and to hold those dates open. Okay. I thought I would start tonight with sharing a couple of things, and then I may be going into question and answer. Um, I'm kind of going by the energy in the room, but it hasn't come totally together. So what I'm going to do, and this is how I often... Uh, this is how I always work. I work out of the collective consciousness of the one, of the group as one, and then the Holy Spirit will come in and work with us. And there's a little bit of the scattering of the energy tonight, so it's very interesting in the meditation because the a certain teaching would come in, and then all of a sudden it would wander off, and another one would come in, and then it would wander off. And so in order to bring the energy together and to really move forward as one, uh, I think we did this last week also. I'm going to ask you to say your name after I count to three. And we'll all say our name together. And that just brings us into oneness. And out of, of the collective oneness, then I'll be able to share a little bit easier. So one, two, three. Jim Gordon. Okay. 
Um, it was interesting this week. Um, I was talking with a lady who is a nun in the Catholic Church, and she has just returned back to the United States after working in Europe for 17 years. And the biggest part of her 17 years in Europe, she worked first at Lourdes and then at Fontema, and uh, just returned back and is now uh, at a convent in um, uh, Michigan. And as we were talking, she was sharing a lot of her experiences that she had at these different places, both her own experiences and then people coming as well. And as we were talking, I realized how important experience was to her and how her faith and her practice was based on her experience. So as we were talking, I began to ask her some questions based on the experiences that she was sharing. And most of the experiences that she was sharing in the beginning was about other people's experiences that she witnessed or that she was told about at both Lourdes and at Fatima, and not really her own. And it was very interesting to hear these different experiences as they had been shared with her as she had witnessed. And I finally asked her, I said, well, what has been your experience at these locations? And what is your spiritual experience and your daily practice as a nun? And she thought for a minute and she said, that's a real question. And I don't know that I really have an answer. She said, in all the years that I've been a nun, I've never had anybody ask me what is my experience, my spiritual experience as a nun. And I thought that was a little bit interesting, that nobody had ever asked her that. But maybe people were afraid to ask nuns questions like that for fear of what they might find out. So we began to talk and to share a little bit about personal experience. And she said, well, my personal experience is I go to Mass every day and I say the rosary and I attend to people and, and I'm of service to people in these different hospitals that I work at. And we went on and on for a while and I said, but what is your personal experience in all of that? I'm hearing a lot of what you do with your body and what you do in your practice, but what is your experience? And she thought for a minute and she said, my experience is peace. I do it because I find peace. I became a nun because I wanted peace in my life. I came from a family that was absolutely unable to function in the world. It was the most dysfunctional family you could ever meet. And I wanted to get into something that worked, that was functional and where I could find peace. My parents did not give me a moment's peace. They were always yelling at me, complaining. I was never good enough. I was never going to meet their expectations. And so it was with my, my brothers and my sisters. They were going through the same situation that I was. I was the youngest. And as the youngest, they all put their problems on me as well. And I knew that I had to do something different because I looked in my family and I saw dysfunction everywhere I looked. There were drug addicts, there were sexual addicts, there were alcoholics, there were all kinds of different problems in relationships, and I knew I didn't want it. So I decided to do life differently. And I chose to become a nun. And I said, well, what did your parents think of that when you did that? And she said, well, that's a real good question. My parents were Jewish. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> Thinking that she was raised a Catholic and became a nun, you know, it, making her, ha her family very happy. And she said, no, my, my parents, my family, everyone was Jewish. And when I looked at my faith and how I had been raised in that faith, I didn't find peace. I didn't find that which I was looking for. So I looked out in the world to see where I could find it. And I had a very good friend that when we graduated from high school asked me to go to a retreat. And it was a retreat at a Catholic convent. 
So I went and I spent a weekend there in retreat with her and a bunch of other teenagers from the school that I had gone to. And when I left there, I felt I was leaving myself behind. And I knew at that moment I needed to be there. I needed to go back and to discover who I am. So she said she went back and she stayed. She stayed for six months. And she became a Catholic. And eventually she realized that she wanted to be a nun. And all this time, her parents, she said, thought that she was in school at a university. That's what she told them. So when she went back home to tell them the truth, she was pretty much disowned from the family. And she thought that was the greatest blessing that could have happened. <laughs> she thought, well, thank God I don't have to deal with that anymore. And she packed up everything she could and left that very day. Went back to the convent, entered the convent, and never looked back. Never looked back at her family and never looked back outside the walls of the convent. As she became a nun and began to discover herself. And then she realized that as a nun, they wanted her to do things. They didn't want her to retreat and hide behind the walls and, and not be in the world. They wanted her to go out and be in the world and demonstrate to the world what it is to be religious, what it is to be spiritual, what it is to be of service. And so she went to school and became a nurse. And... After she became a nurse, she worked for a while in a hospital in Michigan, and that's where her mother house is. And then she was transferred to Rome. And in Rome, she received permission to go and work at Lourdes. And that was like a dream come true to her because she wanted to be at some of the holy sites of the Catholic Church. She felt that for some reason she would discover something about herself that she had never discovered before. Not even in the convent, not in her family life, anywhere. So when she arrived at Fatima, Fatima she began a spiritual quest, she said. And that was of self-discovery. She felt that she had begun the journey as a nun, but that she really had not found the deep inner meaning and the deep inner truth that she was longing and looking for. So as we talked, she went on and on about all these different experiences. And I said, I have one question. Have you found what you were looking for? And she said, not totally. Not totally. She said, I have glimpses of an inner truth, an inner knowing an inner grace, this inner flow of loving and mercy. I have glimpses of it at times, but I can't hold on to it. I can't maintain it. I can't live in it day in and day out. It comes when it wants to and it's gone. And she said, for a while I thought that it was only when I practiced my prayers a certain way or I sacrificed certain things or I inflicted hardships on myself, or I worked harder. And I found that no matter what it was I did, I couldn't bring forward that inner peace, that quality of loving that once in a while I could slip into. And I said, well, when is it that you slip into it? When do you find yourself going into it the most? And she said, there's two places I find it. One is when I really, truly connect into my prayer and my prayer time in the mornings or in the evenings and I find I go quiet. I have no more words to share with God in my prayer. And in that place where there's no more words, that's where I find it. And I said, that's a good place. I know that place. She said, you do? I said, yes, but let's find out first. Where do you find the other time? What's the other experience? She says, when I'm working in the wards at the hospital and someone's dying and I look into their eyes and I see that same peace in their eyes as they die. She said, it's not all the time. A lot of times people 
have fear in their eyes. They have pain in their expression. But once in a while, just like in my prayers, I find that one who in their eyes I see that peace. And she started crying. And she said, that's what I want. I don't want to wait till I die to find out if I really know how to be in that peace and how to choose into that peace and live into that peace and to die into that peace. I want it now and I want it every day. And I said, I know how to get there. And she said, no, you don't. You live in Austin, Texas. You, you know, how could you know about this inner peace stuff? And I said, well, I've practiced it for a long time. I've practiced my own form of prayer. And I told her how I had chosen to become Catholic at the age of 15. And I told her about how I was going to become a priest because I was searching for the same thing she had been looking for. And she said, oh my God, Jim, I've never known that about you. Now, I've known her since 1980. And all that time, she did not know my whole history. So I began to share with her a little bit about my search and how I had walked this search looking for this divine peace, this divine love, and how I began to connect into it. And as I was sharing it, she said, well, how did you know that it was this and not that? It was this practice that you were doing that you wanted that was going to give you the peace and not the other. And I said, it was by experience. I followed my experience. If something was working for me, a prayer, a meditation, a certain form of physical practice, then I would work it because I was getting the experience. And if I practiced something and I did not get experience, I would let it go and keep looking for what did give me experience inside. I wasn't looking for experience outside. I was looking for it inside. And she said, yes, yes, that's where it is. You've got to have it inside. I said, I know. And so we talked further. And as we did, she began to realize that I wasn't doing it the same way she was. She was always saying her prayers, always doing her work, looking for that moment where she would slip into the peace and discover that inner loving, that divine place of bliss inside. But she didn't know how to directly get there and how to get there often. It would be once a month, once every few months, a few times a year. But it was not regularly. And it wasn't of her own doing. So as we were talking, she said, I want to know, how do you do that? And so I began to talk to her about a different kind of prayer, about meditation, about not looking to God and asking of God and talking to God in a prayerful way, but rather about loving God. Loving God in a way that allows you to open up and to live into the loving that is God. And so I began to share with her about the name of God, the sacred name of God. And as I was talking, for the very first time, I had somebody ask me a question that related directly to my own experience about the name. And it was a question, and it was a statement of her own experience. And she said, oh my gosh, she said, oh my gosh, I, there's a prayer. There's a prayer, and I want to know if this is what it's talking about. And I said, well, what's the prayer? And she said, the Lord's Prayer. And I laughed, and I said, is it about the holy name, thy, thy hallowed name? And she goes, yes, that's it. What is that about? She says, I say that prayer so many times a day. Do you know how many times you say that in the rosary? And do you know how many novenas I do? Do you know how many times I say the Lord's Prayer? And over and over and over I hear the same thing coming out of my own mouth. Hallowed be thy name. 
And I often wonder, what was Jesus talking about? And really, what was he talking about in the Lord's Prayer? And so I began to share with her my own experience. And I said, you're the only other person I've ever talked to who's ever looked at those words and wondered, what did Jesus mean by that? Hallowed be thy name. Now, I'm sure there's other people that have looked at it and maybe thought about it, but then they go on. They don't keep looking at that to discover what that is. And for that moment, I was so joyful. I was like a little kid because the kid in me that started looking at it at seven, eight years old, all of a sudden discovered somebody else who, as a child, looking for that same loving and innocence, was going, what is this? What is this? Who is this? What is this word about? Hallowed be thy name. So I began to talk to her about the sacred name of God and holding that in your meditation, in your prayer, of saying the name of God over and over and over and building up the power of the name and allowing the power of the name to build. And she said, oh my goodness, I've got to share something with you. She said, remember, I was raised Jewish. And she said, when I was raised Jewish, my father would practice his prayers. And part of the practice of the prayers is all about the name of God. And she began to describe to me the daily prayers that her father would practice. And I don't know the name of the, the garments that they wear during their prayer, but there is a lot of symbology around all that they do around the name of God. Even down to the shawl that they wear and the knots that are tied and the tassels around the shawl are all about the name of God. The instruments that they wear on their left arm and on their forehead is all about the name of God. And they wear it here at the forehead to remember the name of God. Well, where is the seat of the soul? It's here. This is the seat of the soul, the spiritual eye, the single eye. If it be open, your body should be filled with light. They wear that here to remind them of the name of God, to remember it. And so she went on and on about how she had been raised Jewish and all around the name of God, but never really understood it. And she said, it was right in front of me all this time. And yet here I was saying the Lord's Prayer and I was looking at hallowed be thy name and it never registered that it was right there in my own tradition when I was Jewish and in my family. And so we began to talk more about this sacred name and its tradition and its history and its lineage. And she said that she wanted to know more about why it was that nobody in the world was talking about this sacred name. If it's in the Jewish faith and people even practice it in their daily prayers. And if it's in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave to people and in the Christian church it's said every day. But nobody's talking about this sacred name. Why aren't they? And I said, I don't know for sure except for the fact that oftentimes the truth gets clouded in mythology, in lore, in tradition. And after a while, mankind forgets the seeds of truth at the seed of every religion. At the center of every religion is a seed of truth. And that seed of truth is the practice of the divine name. You can find it in the Jewish faith, in the Christian faith, in the Sikh, in the Sufi, the Islamic, the Hindu, Zoroasterism, and so many others. And yet, over time, mankind begins to build around that truth laws and myth and tradition to the point that the truth gets lost. 
And she said, I know what that is. She said, I met people in France who were part of a secret society. Well, that raised me up. I went, oh, I want to hear about this. <laughs> and she said, this secret society talks all about this name that they've lost. And they call it the Lost Chord. And they're always looking for it. And they're always trying to find it in their ancient history. And they look and look and they talk and nobody knows where to find it. Nobody knows what it was. But it's all there in the writings. And she said, I even went to listen to some of their lectures. And nobody could really give me any understanding of what this was about, what they were looking for. They didn't really know, but they were looking. She said, I think this is what they were talking about. And I said, what's the name of the organization? And she said, it's called the organization. She said it was called the Order of the Rose. And it's a society that has, it claims to be the seed of the Rosicrucians in France. But they claim to be separate from the Rosicrucians. And that they consider themselves more of a secret society or a sacred society removed from the public eye. And so she went on and talked a little bit more about it. And then she said, well, wait, wait. I'm getting distracted again. I want to know what you do. You say you experience peace on a regular basis. You say you experience loving on a regular basis. When and how and what is it really like? I said, well, when is when I'm in meditation? And she said, well, wait a minute. When did you start meditating? And I said, well, I actually started meditating when I was a child, but it wasn't meditation, it was prayer. And in my prayers, I would share with God my day, and then I would just sit in quiet and let God come to me and share with me. And she said, that's it. That's it. That's what I'm not doing in my prayers. She says, I'm always talking to God. I'm telling God everything. I'm complaining to God. I'm telling God he's got to heal these people at the hospital. I'm complaining to God about my life and the things that are running inside of me. She said, I haven't seen the majority of my family in 32 years, but they still live inside of me, and I can't get my mother out of my head. And I'm always giving up, trying to give her away to God. But God doesn't take her. And so I said, well, tomorrow or even tonight, when you're in prayer in church, be quiet. Be quiet and listen and stop talking to God. So a couple of days later, she called me back. And she said, okay, so what is this thing about the name of God? I found the quiet, and I found that peace that you were talking about that I've been looking for. And I found that I could get there very easily. So I know that this is true. I have an experience now. I know that what you're saying is true. I want more. I want more. And so we began to talk about initiation and about the name of God. And as we did, she began to share with me a little bit more about her inner journey. And as she was sharing, all of a sudden I realized she was having out-of-body experiences. She just didn't call it that. But when she would go into her peace, she would leave her physical body. And she knew it. And she described it as leaving. But she called it leaving the temple. And at first I thought she meant leaving the, the church that she was in prayer in. But she, I realized, calls her body the temple. And whenever she would leave the temple, she would go into these wonderful places, luminous places. And she said she even saw many times the Virgin Mary before her. 
but she could never get close enough. She could see her way off in the distance and she would try to get to her, but she could never get close enough. And as she started moving forward, she would go into unworthiness and then she would fall back because she felt she wasn't worthy of being in her presence. And so I said, well, let's, let's go back for a minute. How do you leave the temple? Because once I realized she was talking about going out of body, I said, you know, you're having more experiences than you think you are. And how do you leave the temple? And she says, well, when I'm talking to God, as I'm sharing with God, all of a sudden I see a hand in front of me. And I take that hand and I begin to walk this road that's in front of me. And all of a sudden I'm out of the temple and I'm having these experiences. And that's when I find my peace. And I said, and how often does this happen? And she said, once in a great while. Just a great while. I can't control it. I can't make it happen. It just happens. She said she got this from reading several books by uh, John of the Cross, St. John of the Cross. And beginning to practice some of the things that Mother of the Little, uh, Teresa of the Little Flowers had written in some of her books. And so she knew that this could happen, but she didn't know how to make it happen. She didn't know how to control it. So I said, what if I can give you direction on how to do this more on a regular basis and give you understanding of what's really taking place here? Would you want the information? And she said, can you do it over the phone or do I have to get on a plane? <laughs> I said, no, we can do it on the phone. And so we talked for the next hour about meditation, about the inner journey, and about what this practice is that she's doing more unconscious. She's not fully conscious of the action that she's doing or how to get the results on a regular basis. So as I began to share with her, I first shared with her and I asked her, where do you hold your focus? Where in your prayers do you hold your focus? She said, that's a good question. My mind is all over the place. I can say the rosary. I can say the Lord's Prayer a hundred times. And the words come out of my mouth. But my mind and my emotions are all over the place. You know, she said, I've got it down real well. I can, I can say the words, but I'm not present with them. I said, well, there's the key right there. You want to stay present with whatever it is you're doing in your prayer, in your meditation. You don't want to be wandering all over the place. You want to move into a one-pointed focus. And when I said that, she went, that's it. When I know that, when I can do that, that's when I get out of the temple. And... I said, and that's how you do it on a regular basis. It's one-pointed focus. She says, but what do I focus on? And I said, we're going to talk about the name of God. And we're going to hold our focus there on the name of God. And we're going to hold it at the seat of the soul. And so when I began to talk to her about the spiritual eye, the seat of the soul, she knew that place both from her father's tradition of prayer and placing the name of God here at the forehead to remember the name of God and to hold that sacred. And she also knew it because she knew that Jesus had said, if thy eye be open, if thy eye be single and open, your body should be filled with light. And she was looking to find that place where that single eye resided. And she had come to the realization herself that that place where in her Jewish faith they talked about holding the name sacred was that place that is the single eye. So that's where she was holding her focus in her prayer. So as we talked about one-pointed focus and I began to talk to her about holding the name of God sacred, I gave her both the anti-hue and the hue. Anihu in Sanskrit and in Hebrew mean pretty much the same thing. Anihu in Hebrew and Ihu in Sanskrit means I am God. 
And it's the words that God spoke to Moses when Moses was talking to the burning bush. And Moses turned to the burning bush and said, And who is it I am to tell Pharaoh sent me? And God said, I am that I am. I am God. Tell them that's who sent you. I am. And I am is Ani, Hugh. I am God. So as we began to talk a little bit more, she said, don't talk anymore. I'm going to call you back in two hours. I'm going to go and I'm just going to do this right now. I don't want any more information. She called me back and she started crying. She didn't, she, I, I, I picked up the phone. I said, hello. And there was nothing. I went, hello. And I was about to hang up and I just heard somebody start sobbing. And I went, okay, well, I'll wait till you calm down, whoever you are, and, and, and then we'll talk. And after a while, she went, Jim? And I went, yeah. And I realized it was her. And I went, are you okay? What's wrong? She says, oh, my God. I mean, oh, my God. She says, it's, it's true. It's real. It is real, isn't it?